0: And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here.
1: Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. My name's Glenn Cook, I'm your host, and I'm joined here today with Pat Stewart. Hello. Today's episode, we're going to talk about a passion of both vows, of which is called PSA. And it's a dog sport and Pat's going to tell you a little bit about his history in it and how it came
2: to be. That's right. So PSA uh, stands for Protection Sport Association. It is sort of America's answer to ring sport. It's a biting dog sport. It has an obedience component and a protection component like most dog sports, like most ring sports. But it was created in America and is sort of their answer to Mondio Ring, MVBK, uh, Global Ring, that sort of thing. It has a lot of components of IPO as well in the drive and that that kind of thing. Mm.
1: So the creator, the man behind it is a guy called Jerry Bradshaw. That's right. And at some stage in 2018, I think we're looking at bringing him into Australia.
2: Yeah, that's right. End of September, early October. We haven't locked down the exact dates yet and when he'll be here, but definitely he'll be coming to Australia next year. Mm.
1: When you say that PSA is like a mix of other bite sports, mm-hmm. such as IPO, Mondio, so forth. Why didn't they stick with just Mondio or IPO? Why did they
2: actually develop PSA? I'm not 100% on the exact reason they they brought it together. The foundation of PSA is that it's accessible to to everyone, and this is why I like it. There is the minimum barriers to entry. Your dog doesn't need to be have paperwork from anywhere in particular and doesn't need to be a particular breed, and they don't divide the competition into breeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone can turn up. Everyone can compete. And everyone can score and win. Unlike some other sports where at the higher levels, if your dog doesn't have the right paperwork, you can compete and you can be told that you've passed or failed, but you can't get your score and you can, therefore you can't win a competition. Mm. So PSA has none of that. PSA, they put together a set of rules as per the guys that were training together at the time, what they were happy with. They got together, wrote down the rules and started trialing. And, and it's an evolving sport. It has its own headshed, of course, but... They're heavily involved in the sport. Their intention is to help the sport grow, not hinder anything. So its own what headshed, headshed. Like you never heard that term? I've never heard that. before. Must be an army term. Like headquarters. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. And that, that is an army term. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the, the thing with PSA is there's minimum barriers to entry, and it's evolving. They they meet every year. They're happy to discuss the rules, change things to keep it uh, on track, mm-hmm. reflect what is necessary and what's working and really encourage and motivate people to get into the sport with their dog. Unlike some other sports, which really are about barriers to entry, not all, but there's just a lot of hoops you have to jump through and Mm. you need to be with this crew and these people and have this dog in order to be able to compete at the highest level. In PSA, there's none of that. And that for me is the biggest draw card of the sport. Mm. Easy access for everyone.
1: It was interesting. I was, um, I put a post in our Facebook page last night, asking people for suggestions on things I'd like to speak to. And somebody, I think you saw in the comments, somebody mm-hmm. said at some stage they'd like to talk a little bit about um, IPO training. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, we'll be in 2018. We'll be able to have some live guests on, or even a teleconference with some people involved in IPO, so yeah, we can definitely. get a little bit of background on that. Years ago, before IPO was. Before Um, it was IPO. Before it was IPO, it used to be nominated as Schutzen. So that was the title that most people recognized current IPO as. Uh, And now it's been migrated into IPO. And I was a licensed decoy for a couple of clubs. Being a licensed decoy meant that you actually had to undertake seminars and training sessions under the chief trainer of of the organization in Australia, who at the time was a guy called John McDonald. We had two clubs that I was helping in, which was Melbourne Schutzen and Select Schutzen, mm-hmm. which then Select migrated into Eagle Heights and that's still running successfully today. Some very good people down there. So, yeah, at, uh, to answer that question for the for the gentleman who asked about that in Facebook, yeah, we're definitely interested in talking a little bit about IPO, the origins of, and having a conversation with some people who are uh, competitors. competitors, yeah, working in it, involved in the club scene and bringing out people from European countries and educating them on the aspects of it.
2: Yeah. So while we're talking about IPO, it's sort of a good time to point out the big difference between IPO and say PSA is the variableness in IPO. It's a routine mm. um, and the dog, it's the same every time. The test is the test. In PSA, it's a lot more variables in what can happen on the field. Which i found. Yeah, exactly mm. Right. So one of the things when I started watching PSA videos, I was dumbfounded in the change of positions I watched the video. So in IPO, you know, the change of positions is the same way every time. I watched a video of a trial of PSA in the early days before I'd really seen or knew too much about it. And that involved the dog walking, heeling past a door that was on the ground, like mm-hmm. laid flat on the ground. Uh, the handler had to sit the dog on the door, leave and go behind a, a vehicle so the dog couldn't see the handler. Then two decoys actually picked up the door And we're walking around with the dog sitting on the door. Mm. And from there, the change of positions had to happen. And the the judge was telling the handler what positions to put the dog into. So expect the unexpected. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that's just crazy shit, right? And Mm. the dog really has to know the change of positions. He can't know the routine. So I I just love that. I think that that variable nature presents such training difficulty. And it, you you know if your dog can change positions while being carried out on a door by two decoys, he really knows those change of positions. He knows exactly what he's being asked to do, not just when I hear a command, I change positions, which I often see some dogs do. But it, In fact, I've been guilty of myself, my own springer. Mm. If she's in a down and I can yell at her bananas, she'll stand because she knows that's likely a position. So that's something when I found that out, I had to address that. That variable nature is, is the real... The sport is done in a suit. It's t- there's lots of differences to IPO, but that's the striking difference in that when you turn up to trial, once you get through a level one, you really don't know too much about what you're going to face. In mm-hmm. the level two, there's you know surprise scenarios that really are surprise scenarios. You have no idea what it could be, and the level three is almost completely unscripted. That anything could happen. There could be biting in the obedience. There, there could be muzzle work. There could be anything. You you don't know what you're going to face, and so you have to really truly have prepped your dog. Well, for anything for everything. and everything. Yeah, that's right. And I think
1: that's one of the things that fascinated me about it when we first started looking into it. I kind of got to the point in my life where I thought, I'm not really interested in being involved in another club and being involved in another sport, but actually I like the philosophy behind it, that whole expect the unexpected thing. And Yeah, you know, have, well, it's fun. It is fun. I was really looking forward to it is not having that political involvement, mm. which I think staggers a lot of other clubs with good people in it. Uh, there are some terrific clubs out there, like the Gold Close Schutzen Club or Gold Close IPO Club, I should mm-hmm. call them. doesn't seem to be a political club. They're very... Um, they're
2: trialling a lot and doing an amazing they're trialing job. They're trialling a
1: lot. They're really kicking ass on the dog sport scene and, you know, it's, it's wonderful to see that they're so progressive as a club. So all you guys, if you are listening to us, congratulations. Keep up the good work because that's what Australia needs. We need less tea and coffee clubs and we need actually... People who are going out there and and making a difference in it and being supportive of each other, which is, I had to say, and I don't mean to make this a political statement in the podcast itself, but I was a bit disappointed at the lack of support for PSA initially, uh, especially from other clubs in Australia. I thought that they could have actually got behind us a little bit more. They did, but...
2: I don't think the support was overwhelming to begin with. Yeah, I think that will come. It's, it will come. It's learning about the the sport. So before I really knew too much, let me talk about how I got into PSA. And I didn't. I knew that it existed. I didn't know too much about it, mm. and I didn't really look into it that much. Only that it's America's answer to bite sports, and there's a lot of hectic video that you can see mm. of very high level dogs doing some amazing things. And if you don't really understand what you're watching, you can. It could be confronting, or you it could look like backyard dog training because it's similar to what we see here, only except it's being done really well. Mm. So when PSA, there was two clubs already going Australia before I got involved and a guy asked me to help train his dog, which I started doing. And then in order to train the dog effectively, I thought oh, I'd better read the rules and find out exactly what we're trying the guy path we're training this dog on. So I read the rules and I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is a really cool sport. Mm. And, And as more I got into it, I was like, wow, this is something I really want to do. So that's when we started the club and started training towards that goal. Like I like to train. I don't like just training randomly. I don't like just doing – I think that for myself certainly and I know a lot of people, you can go down a real rabbit hole of when you don't have an end goal. Mm -hmm. When you just go, oh, I'm just training my dog. You can find something that your dog isn't particularly good at and avoid that area completely. Or if your dog is really good at one particular thing, that's all you focus on because you want to go well. And then before you know it, you've got a dog that can do things that probably could do pretty well anyway, really well, and you've totally missed a separate area. So I like whenever I'm training, whenever I'm doing anything, I like to set goals and I prefer to work to someone else's standard. Yep. I like someone else to have set those those goals so that then I have to work towards them. And if they're hard, I just have to work towards it. When I've, I know when I'm setting my own goals, I can be a bit like, Oh well, I'm good at this. Like I say, in fitness and health, right? I don't. It builds like to, a bit of apathy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't like to swim. So I don't train swimming. I'm not a particularly great swimmer. I can swim, but I, it's not something I train really because I don't like to swim. I should be training swimming more. I should mm. be swimming more, but I avoid it because I, I don't want to do it. So it's a it's a gap in my say health and fitness. With the dog training, the exact same thing happens. So when someone else sets a program and says, this is the test, you have to train for this test, I like that. So I think that competing in any sort of discipline is is a great idea. I think it's fantastic Mm. and because it makes you address your weaknesses. You have to confront them.
1: Well, the way I'd like to address that publicly is that we should be thinking of each other more like a bit of a family, a dysfunctional one at times, (laughs) so be it, but we're still a family and we should be supporting each other, which I'd like to encourage people to do because I certainly encourage IPO, I encourage Mondio, NKC, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you're out there loving your dog and having fun and you're doing it for the right reasons and you're not being a thug or a, like a pain in the ass with what you're doing, then get behind your clubs and get behind the people that are doing it and support them even if it's not your choice, it's not the thing that you would want to do, don't be a thorn in other people's sides about stuff. You yeah, know, exactly. Be, be part of a of a progressive nation. Unfortunately, in Australia, there's this tall poppy syndrome with with our culture that when people seem to succeed or want to do something, you get a lot of knockers in it. Now, I'm not saying that happened. It's not what happened. But I'm saying don't be part of that movement. Be part of a movement where we're getting behind other people supporting them, You know, not standing in the way of progress. And I'd like to see that with PSA because I think it's got good potential to take wings. Mm-hmm. I mean, with anything, you shouldn't blame a... An organisation, it should be look more at the individual if they're causing a problem. Go and exactly. talk to go talk to them about it. And again, it's not. A, I'm not having a gripe session here. I'm just saying that this
2: has some excellent properties. Thing the, things that could be fun for a lot of people to do. Be a part of it. Yeah, I, I think definitely as you're sort of pointing out, there PSA has the potential to draw some undesirables, people who would they all do exactly. But that that's exactly right. They all do and. It's easy to say, oh, I'm training PSA. You're, tra- you're training PSA when you're competing. And mm. that's, that's something that I really like to point out to people is if you're just doing training with your dog, that's fine, but you're not training in a discipline until you've competed in that discipline. Mm. You can say that you're training for whatever. It's like me saying I'm training for the Olympics in weightlifting. Until I turn up and try and qualify for that, I'm just lifting weights. Mm. It's, it's not the same thing. I think definitely... Working towards that goal, you have to actually trial. You can't just say you are. You have mm. to turn up, or you're not. You, you aren't doing it. Well,
1: I, I think the thing that I enjoyed about our club that we set up, Iron Fist PSA, is that we have a philosophy that you're either training or you're not, and that's if right. you're not, you're, you're not a member of the club. So it's, and that's not to discourage people from having a crack. That's just to say to people the whole point of the club is that we actually need members who are going to go into the trial ring and and help help promote and support
2: the club. That's right. So our rule with the club is that we are working towards a trial Mm. for everyone and you need to have a guide path for that. That doesn't mean that every member of the club is going to trial at the next trial because it's a hard sport. Your dog may not be ready. It takes time. Dogs have to mature. Of course. But you Mm. must be intending to trial and we as a club head shed – Know that glide path with everyone. We know when we intend to trial and what what milestone we're walking to working to and why. Mm. Because of we're reading in the rules and we know the rules. The test involves X Y Z. We're training X, and then when we perfect that, we're going on to Y, and then then we'll have Z. So I think in all dog sport clubs that's important. It, otherwise, you you're just training dogs and, and you're not working towards anything. And as I say, the, the issue then when people are just training is when there's holes, people tend not to address those holes. That's why sports like like PSA, like Mondio, like IPO are made to be sort of all encompassing mm. so that you must address, your dog can have a strength in one thing, but that usually leads to a weakness in another and you must then address that weakness in order to compete. Yep. Or be a clever competitor if you're just working for points and know, okay, I give up those points there and I make up my points somewhere else.
1: So one of the things that I really do enjoy about the concept of a lot of these sports is it's great testing the metal of the dog. You 100%. know, I mean, you really get a good
2: outlook on what you've got in your kennel. Well, that's – so putting those two things together. So support of the sport and not just PSA but Mondio, Iper all those sports. All of us. And testing the metal of the dog are the two functions of the sport. And I, this is what I think that police, military should be – a lot more supportive and paying more attention to what's going on in the sport Mm. because without- As they do in Europe.
1: Yeah, exactly. And America. Exactly. Australia seems to be very singled out in that prospect is that when, you know, it's sort of like, oh, I don't want to mix with the civilian population. I don't know if that's how they think about it, but- It it, certainly feels that way. It feels
2: that way. And the, you know, most of the police and military dogs come from civilian breeders Mm -hmm. and those breeders- they need a proving ground for their dogs outside of the the final application of the of their real use in police and military. So exactly like at the KPV World Championships, you get people from all over the world go, from police and military, from all over the world go to look at those dogs compete and you yep. get to see maybe you're going to buy one of those dogs compete or maybe you're going to use him for stud or whatever. You actually get to see his metal tested and you get to find out what the dog's like. But isn't that great if they actually
1: get involved in it and they can actually they can watch and see the progress of their own dogs as well. Yeah. You know, I mean it it's uplifting for them as a as a unit to be able to Oh, you mean compete as well? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Yeah. I mean they get the added benefit of ongoing training for their dogs. I think one of the the issues and I might be speaking out of school and I don't mean any disrespect or ill intent, but I think one of the ongoing issues for a lot of department dogs is that they spend too much time being operational and not enough time actually training skills.
2: Yeah, and you you'll get every operational policeman would, would agree with that cuz they just don't they're not allocated the time, resources, mm. funding, opportunity to c- continually train their dogs. Uh, that's a that's another big issue and as you know a dog he doesn't know he's working from training. Mm. And so if you have your particular and that's, work. And that's good training, actually. Yeah, but if you are if you do too much of one thing, then the dog doesn't get enough work in the other. So you need to create a training scenario well, to Well, there's a lack of skill application, off. isn't there? So that yeah. you're, you're, well, you are training, but you're training bad habits. Yeah. And that's, a, and that's, that's lacking progress. If a, a policeman I did some work with in the States was talking about how hiding drugs in a particular area of the car in like this speaker sort of area became very popular in his county. And his dog would basically look straight there because it had a very high chance of success and it was mm. always looking there. And that created problems in his dog. And when he was trying to get allocated time and – and because, you know, to train then he now needs a car that he can tear things apart and do it on. It's a day that he needs to allocate and there's resources. It didn't fall and, on the budget. And, yeah. And, mm. But he – then when he says to his boss, hey, I need a day to go and teach my dog that drugs can also be hidden in other parts of the car because he's had too much success in one spot – he doesn't get that it, because the boss looks at it and says, no, we're having good success and doesn't see that that success is causing us problems somewhere else. That strength is causing a weakness somewhere else and you need to be able to address that. So I don't think you'd find a single um, operational police dog handler or military dog handler that says, oh, we've got plenty of training time. We're,
1: we're. In the UAE they do. <laughs> yeah, well. When I was over in the UAE, I couldn't believe how much training time they got primarily because crime is so low over there. Mm-hmm but uh, their, their allocation of training time is pretty much every day. Right. So they're doing the opposite of what every other agency I've, I've seen or, or spoken to is they're doing 90% training, 10% operational. Yeah, right. Where that- here it appears that it's the other way around, that it's, oh, totally, it's yeah. 90% operational, 10% training.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Mm. So,
1: so as I said, if, if you think you're not training, you actually are but you tr- you're not training what you what you want you're training what the dog is, is. yeah dogs learning the all dog's the dog's learning all the time yeah. so it's learning the shortcuts it's primarily the same as children learning that they can uh, manipulate one parent over another and that's, that's what's happening to them while they're operational they're learning i can cut corners i can get
2: Cheap rewards, easy finds, and I'll, I'll get paid for it regardless. So yeah. I don't have to work too hard. And in that example, I gave the dog checks to speakers, no, nothing in this car. Mm. And you need to go, okay, no, no, we'd keep going over and have a situation where there is something somewhere else so you can show the dog, yes, there is something. Keep going, else. keep and looking. It, you will find it. Mm. And you need to control that. Anyway, so back to PSA. Yes. As I said, when I got into it, there was a couple of clubs running already. And, you know, we discussed starting a club, which we, we did and mm. got our sort of training group into it. And we've got a, a fairly large club. Going at the moment, we're certainly at the maximum of what we can handle for people in in the club, primarily because of decoys. Like that's the hard thing. I think that's the big shortage everywhere is people who, first of all, are willing to to get bitten and can do it in a safe and way that helps the dog instead of causes problems.
1: So we did actually run a decoy certification program while we had Sean and Janet Edwards out here. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So. Sean's and both Sean and Janet—they're both fantastic people. Mm-hmm.
2: And Sean has a character that he dresses up as. Uh, yeah, he always he works as Deadpool, so he's <laughs> always decoying as Deadpool, which is. We actually had
1: an amazing time with them. They're great people. You spent actually yeah. you spent a lot of time with them. I think they stayed at your place for a little bit of time. And, yeah,
2: yeah. Um, so, so I met Sean and Janet at the nationals. So when I started getting into PSA and decided we're going to get it going, I went over to the states last year around yep. November uh, to watch the nationals. I thought this is a good opportunity to really find out what this game's all about, mm-hmm. meet all the right people because all the you know the key competitors and judges and decoys and everything are going to be in one place at one time. So I went over to Texas and watched that. Um, trained with uh, the a couple of competitors during the week who ultimately did win at every level because that club had the most en- en- entries in the level one, two, and three. Trained with them the week before, mm. uh, learned about the skill, how they train for certain things, and then watched the trial. And then that it was there that I was like, "Ah, okay, yeah, no, I really do like this. I'm definitely coming back to Australia and, and trying to get this going.
1: Yeah, you and I had quite a lot of conversations about it and I think over the course of about six months we were umming and ahhing about whether to do it or not and we were involved with a few other people at that point in time and one of the things I was really personally impressed in was how much of a personal investment you put into it to actually going over there and speaking to Jerry and going to the trials yourself, did you go to his kennels at that time?
2: No, no, no. So I just stayed in Texas and trained with the guys there. There's two clubs in Texas and they were sort of training together the week before nationals. So I trained with them, uh, Koi Fam and Derek Rose's clubs, Mm. uh, and trained with them and then met Jerry at the trial. He was there to compete with his dog in the level two then and really got a feel for the sport. And what I was struck by so much there was – the camaraderie amongst everyone, even competitors competing together, and the PSA family in the in America, and there's a, there were Canadians there as well that came down for nationals, is super tight. They just get along awesomely, everyone supports each other because what their philosophy is that you're not competing against each other, you're competing against the sport because the sport is very hard. Mm. It starts with the the PDC, you explain that now. so the, the, there's really four levels. There's the PDC, which is kind which is protection dog certificate which is kind of if you know other dog sport is like a, like a BH sort of or a Mondio Aptitude Test, except it does involve biting. So it's a very basic obedience circuit mm. that doesn't require focused healing. Just a really a loose leash walk will get you a pass with, you know, a down on the move, a recall, that sort of thing. And and uh, there's a test of gunfire just for, you know, sureness in the dog. Mm. It's very basic. It's an entry-level test. And then it has three bite scenarios as well. So that's sort of the the point of difference to like a BH. So you do that and then that makes you eligible for the level one. Oh, And with the PDC, you can do that on a sleeve if you've got a dog coming over from IPO or on a suit. That's up to you. But to progress to level one, you must have done it on a suit. Mm -hmm. With the biting on a suit, dog can bite anywhere he wants um, in a targetable area. I'm doing air quotes when I say malaria, <laughs> 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 so that means you can you can have a leg dog, you can have an arm dog. That that's fine. You just can't have a dog that. I mean, if the dog bites center of the chest, you, you'll lose points, but it's not like you're disqualified or anything. You're not going to get good points. Yep. So then there's move on to level one, which is uh, very similar to the PDC, but more obedience is is involved, and it, it is mostly scripted with one surprise scenario. Level two is there's uh, decoys on the field during obedience trying to cause you trouble, there's jumps, there's the tunnel, there's a food food refusal and then some quite significant uh, like call-off type attacks Mm. followed by the level three and surprise scenarios in the level two as well. A level three could be anything. It's a wild card. You you have no idea what you're going to face until you turn up. Judge makes it up on the day and you could be anything. Like I said, there have even been trials where like – you turn up for your obedience. The first thing is a courage test, huge screaming courage test on the dog. So it switches gears into biting mode and now out your dog and go and do the obedience routine, which is hard work for people who don't, haven't done any protection work with their dog. Once you get your dog biting to pull him back into like, okay, now you're going to start, you you put him into biting mode. Now we're going to go into obedience mode. That's hard work.
1: Yeah. The the videos that I've watched online of, Simply amazing. You yeah, know, you watch the level and the attitude that the dogs are working at, and the pressure that they're put under, and it's it tremendous. is it is tremendous, and it's very very impressive. Yeah. You can't uh, if you're if you're a dog sport person, even if you're not a dog sport person, if you're a if you're involved in dogs and understand the control and application in training, and you watch these videos online on YouTube, you can't help. You can't not help but being impressed. Yeah. And if you're not impressed,
2: there's something wrong with you, I think, because yeah. there it's it, it is an amazing level of control. Yeah. And and in those upper levels of of PSA, there's huge training component because your dog has to be able to do some really amazing things and under huge amount of control. But there's a genetic component to that as well. Mm. Like if a dog can get through the level three, there is only, I think it's about eighteen or maybe nineteen dogs that have gotten through the full program, completed yep. the level three that's a strong, strong, strong dog to get through that.
1: If you've ever heard the term stimulus control, if you want to know what that is, have a look at a PDC level three and that will give you sorry, PSA, a PSA level three and that application applies brilliantly because yeah. that's what stimulus control is all about. If the dog can ignore that, it is training, it is conditioned, but it's still stimulus control no matter what. You know, I often talk about a a, um, a clip that's on YouTube called Fenton or Jesus Christ in Richmond Park. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned it a few times. Mm-hmm. But you watch that and that's, what, that's exactly what stimulus control isn't <laughs> when you watch. It's one of my favourite clips. I show it to multiple amounts of people, students, groups, anybody who I do talks to. That's one of the first clips I show to people how not to train a dog or what a dog looks like when it hasn't been trained or doesn't know what control is. And then when you look at PSA and you look at the level three, even IPO or Mondio, any of those sports, ANKC, it doesn't matter. But when you look at the high levels of that, you can see a dog that understands clearly and especially in PSA 3 when all that turmoil and that commotion is going on around them and you can see the dog under perfect control,
2: that really summarizes it very, very well. Yeah. So, I mean, at that trial at the Nationals in the level three in the healing pattern, there's four decoys on the field. hmm one is continually shooting the dog with a, a paintball gun with no balls in it, so it's just, it's just compressed the air, air yeah. that's going in and over the dog. He's staying in position. There's another one. Sorry, another two harassing the actual handler and the dog and getting right in their face, crowding them as they go around. And they were also shooting the dog with a nerf, um, nerf gun in the flanks. Yep. So just a small, you know, toy gun thing, but enough that it would. And, be- and, it, and it doesn't hurt people. Yeah. So it's not. Don't get upset. Yeah, don't
1: get upset. It's not like it's the dog. When Pat says the dog is getting shot, it's not getting shot. It's, yeah. you know,
2: like it's things that kids play with. Yeah, exactly. But it's Things I like disc- accidentally shot a two year old with once. F- yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> And then uh, another decoy firing a 12-gauge shotgun, which was Sean, firing a 12-gauge shotgun across with blanks. It's America. I can come down. I can do that. Across the flank of the dog. Yep. And the dog's healing. Like mm-hmm. nothing's happening. Just yep. staying in his healing pattern, walking around. And so, as I say, of course, there's a huge training component of that, but that's a strong dog that it's can It's very do that, strong right? dog. So there, there's stimulus control. That dog knows I heal until I get told not to heal, but also he's- he can withstand that sort of pressure, mm-hmm. and that's what I mean. For uh, police and military, should then look at that dog and go, "Okay, like Th- that's that a breeding prospect." That's got, that dog's got what we want. Dog's mm. name's Tuco. He's done a couple of litters, I think. Then they've all turned out really nice. So, yeah, um, it's a Silix Holmes dog from Holland. Amazingly strong, powerful dog that people should be looking at and go, "Wow, amazing training!" Yes, that guy has Stacy's. The handler's named did an excellent job getting the dogs there, but God, that dog is strong. That he can withstand that mm. that that pressure. Um, so. So they're the levels of PSA. And so I went there, watched the trial and got to know a bunch of people and then decided, yep, let's kick it off here. Let's get it going. There was, as I said, there was already like some smaller clubs trying to get things going here. And And we brought it back. Yeah, we we got it going as hard as we could. Well, you did. Yeah. Well, what happened was I went to the States with actually Bruno went over as well and tried to certify as decoys uh, and I got through. And so that was my sort of plan. I thought if we get a certified decoy in the country, then we can start training. Sorry,
1: just stop there. What I found amazing with that is that you're a former commando, and well, you're still technically commando, but not a normal one. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, former one. So you came back and said to me that it was you were expecting like an easy pass. Yeah. Turn up, do, the, do a little test, get a certificate, come yeah. home a hero. Yeah. And you said it was an ass kicking and a half.
2: Yeah, it was huge. So yeah. I,
1: I was amazed by that. Like I couldn't believe that at one stage you told me that you were so flat in your hotel
2: room thinking yeah. this is completely fucked. I'm, I'm out. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I, I'm i an idiot. I, I went over thinking I was going to get a pat <laughs> on the back and go, here, catch this dog. Oh, you did a good job. You know what you're doing. Here you go. Here's your certification. Mm. And that I couldn't have been more wrong. And actually, so we're in the hotel near the field and the day before a bunch of the guys from Canada had come down and mm. saw Mike who I knew and he had the guys from his club and they're all like in their twenties, <laughs> early twenties and fit and talking about how they've been training for it. And they're talking about like, you know, this is the day before, what are they going to have for dinner? That's going <laughs> to prime them perfectly for the thing next day. And I'm like, shit, I'm a broken dirty old. I'm in like, I'm a wreck. I've, legit I have broken bones (laughs) that I carry around I got bulged this how am I going to get through this and so yeah it was hard I think there were 15 people and six of us certified um turned up and I I did not do well on the first day there's Facebook live footage of it. it it didn't go well but I was I was too much in my head thinking about how to get through it and the pressure because I I didn't experience any pressure until the day before when I was like oh it's this is legit. This is going to be way harder than I thought. Mm. So yeah. Anyway, I got through. I, I did certify and was really proud of myself for doing that. It was a, absolutely it's a big
1: achievement because you're the you are the first licensed PSA decoy.
2: Yeah, in from Australia. Australia. Well, no, from Australia. So I put that on Facebook. I, I I was like, yeah, I'm really proud of myself going home. And then Josh Kirby, who is one of the like the sort of staple decoys, he's one of the main decoys for the sport, is. From Australia, but he's <laughs> over there, isn't he? Yeah, but he lives in America. Yeah, but he vomited. Nah. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, you have to be on the soil. So lives in Australia. <laughs> um. So anyway, that's Josh stole my thunder. But yeah, I was really happy. So and then organized with Sean while he was there to come back out to Australia. He'd already been here once to run a, a training. To come back out with with his wife Janet, who has a level two two level three dogs now. Since mm. then, and run training for us all, run another decoy certification, run a trial and actually get us going. So we did that. They came out, amazing people, had a great time with them, hugely knowledgeable. And this is the thing I love about PSA and the PSA family is that the PSA headquarters will bend over backwards to provide you the training support and mentoring Mm. knowledge to get the sport going. They really want to spread the sport. They are putting up the absolute minimum barriers to entry. and And they're fun people. Totally, Mm. absolutely. So, Like I said before, we had a ball with Sean and Janet.
1: They were great fun. Oh, I mean, Sean just fits straight in. I mean, he's a working police officer over in Baltimore, I believe.
2: Yep, and
1: um, 20-something years. And great sense of humour, you know, couldn't wait to – he's just got this try-anything attitude. Yeah. You know, like he he loves life, he's very enthusiastic, very good family man, but also he's got a wicked sense of humour, which it goes – Great with me. You
2: know, yeah. All goes great with us. So. No, Sean's awesome. Sean's awesome, yeah. So when we ran the decoy cert here, we got two guys through, um, which is funny because Zach, who's a friend of mine, has done plenty of decoying. He did a good job. And mm. he's, you know, the key to being a, a trial decoy and a training decoy, totally different. Zach is not scared of dogs. He knows how to read a dog and he's worked plenty of dogs. Cool, right? And he was, you know, he did a good job. Of course he's going to pass
1: it pushed
2: him yeah it did, did for sure push him right because mm. there's a huge physical component to it and then we had Scott who's never worn a bite suit before had to borrow mine for the for the <laughs> day uh, and he's a potato <laughs> <laughs> he's an awesome guy he's and, an awesome guy and also I passed, love Scotty but Scotty's past because he's trainable mm. he'll just listen he had no no bad habits because he's never worked and a he's dog a natural before. athlete he's a highly athletic mm. and no bad habits and just did what he's told but he's not scared of dogs either because the the PSA decoy the courage test is is literally that it is a courage test between you and the dog it's a and you get beaten on the day yeah that's it and you yeah. have to when when
1: I say beaten I'm talking bruised and battered
2: yeah everyone on, when on that certification here really got tailed up yeah, it's a yeah. lot of catching dogs. But well, yeah, I so put so I a gotta, photo up on the Facebook page. Yeah, shirt. that one of all their bruises. Yeah, I'm usually like I'm a bit careful that I think that it's cool to talk about. Like, yeah, they they worked hard and they got their bruises. But you know, it's also not cool to be getting hurt in dog sports. You really should like it's, it's people. Not but about. you have to keep in mind just when you see this photo, people were borrowing bite suits and they were, didn't have things that fit them correctly, and they mm. were just trying their hardest to get through. It's not about. I sort of cringe when I see people showing off their bruises and being like, "Look how good the dog got me," because that that's true. It did, and, but also. Like it's not good for you as a decoy to be getting hammered like that. I can't stand it when people treat decoys badly. Yeah, because you want them around for a long time. That's right, and Mm. you shouldn't be. You should be feeling all the pressure, but you should get hurt, not injured. Is what what I like to say. Yeah, hurt, not injured. And if you're getting big blood clots, that's that's potential for injury and infection and that that sort of thing. Yeah, it's
1: it's, the long term aspects aren't good. So yeah, yeah, all clubs should be like the sensible side of it. We sort of sometimes look at it like a bit of a badge of honour, but the reality is is it's okay every now and then. Yeah, in the moment it in is. In the moment. And the reality is is with that decoy certification, it was a lot of intensity over a very short amount of time, which yeah. doesn't happen in normal club training. That's right. So in normal club training, you're you know, scenario focused and you're developing skills. It's like I guess the best way to kind of look at it was the decoy certification was like going out and doing a boxing round. You know, like you're actually go- you're in the ring, you're fighting. Yeah. Whereas training back at camp is is primarily that it's training, prepping for the fight and so forth. In boxing rounds, you you know, you might get a bit of a a bit busted up, but uh in training you don't usually endure so many of,
2: of, of those injuries. Mm-hmm. It's probably a bad example, but No, it works. It works. But so in our so in our decoy shirt we did here, I think there were eleven or twelve people attempted it, mm. two guys got through. Scotty and, and Zach, which means there's three decoys in, in the country now, it makes trialling a lot easier for us. So I'm really proud of those guys for doing that.
1: I'm proud of everyone for having a go.
2: Yeah. Oh, it was everyone that yeah. everyone had a did a did a great job that attended. Hmm. Like I said, it's there aren't that many people that are willing to, to catch dogs like that. It so even just giving it a crack and there'll be people that I think will try again and, and get through. There's there's a physical side to it, but there's also a mental application in yeah. as well. Like I was
1: watching and helping support Uh, The decoys while they were going through. And it was great. I really loved the crowd enthusiasm of everybody yelling in support of everybody. There wasn't any bad sports there. That's Um, right. And that's that PSA mentality that we really want to bring. It was. It was um, a, a nice bite work family that we're all getting involved or dog sport family that we're getting behind it and saying, come on, get into it. Like, keep going, keep pushing, breathe, think about what's going on. And I think that in itself, we're helping people get through that mental application.
2: Yeah. I think there's, you know, there's a lot to be said for that sort of joint suffering for the guys that are all on the course together, doing Mm. the hardship together. It's that joint suffering brings people together for sure. And it's, it's totally, what's the word? It's totally Voluntary, like, mm. it's not like there was there was a real hardship. They just they were pushing for something they wanted, and they were all suffering together, which is, is fantastic. And then we ran a trial, and we got a few dogs through the the PDC, I think five dogs or something like that. And we didn't have any one successfully get through the one. It through there were just a few challenges. The the realness of a trial got 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 guys uh, got the dogs, not the guys. So yeah, the the journey continues for us. And so I was actually one of them in that um, yeah. PSA one.
1: So I got through the obedience and did quite well on it mm-hmm. and then got to the actual bite work stage and Randy wouldn't let go. Yeah, wouldn't out on one of the bites. <laughs> he wouldn't out, so
2: uh, that, that's a, a DQ. Yeah. But you're the only one that got through the obedience, the only person to attempt the so So work.
1: far as it stands, Randy's the... The most successful in PSA in Australia, yeah. which is I'm pretty happy with.
2: Yeah, absolutely, it's awesome. Um,
1: especially for a first go, I was, yeah, I was pretty chuffed with that. Yeah, totally. So yeah, wasn't a wasn't a title at the end of the day. Got my PDC, which I was pretty proud. I got a certificate for that. So did Neville. So did Jay. Jay with two dogs. She got with two dogs. She did great. And Mark with yep. Aries. Yep. So and Neville. He got best in trial. He got quite a few awards. He yep. did a fantastic job with Tank. Very proud of him. Yeah, so we got uh, three or four people from Iron Fist get through and
2: and, yeah. and Jay from Queensland. So that's where we stand with PSA. We've had one trial. Uh, we've had one decoy cert in the country. Uh, we will be doing more next year. My goal, so I was named because now there's a few different clubs around we sort of needed to pull our efforts and have someone sort of really try and corral Ambassador. it. Ambassador. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So I was named the uh, assistant regional director. So we come under the international region, and Jerry's the director for international that as a region and per country that they're in or area. I think they'll they'll name an assistant regional director. So in Australia, that's me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so congratulations. Well, thanks. It's a big honour. Actually, mm. I was really I wasn't expecting. Well, you deserve the role. Yeah, I mean to be honest, I didn't even want to. Be I just want to compete, but I really want this sport going. So I, I've taken on a, a role of responsibility in order to make sure that it does and goes well. And the biggest thing for me that I really want to harbour is that enthusiasm and sportsmanship that they have around the game in America. I really want that to come here, and mm. and and you can see that worldwide. Like the people that I've met through PSA and they're good people, yeah, and and they're very good people. And people I haven't even met in real life but speak to online because there's clubs going in India and South Africa. Mm. There's people that are all together because you know you're not really competing against each other, you're competing against the sport and you need the help from everyone that you can get. And the thing I love about all the ring sports – or biting dog biting sports like that is you cannot train alone. You you have to have someone else to help you with the dog. Mm. It, even in IPO, eventually you need to bring in a decoy. So you have to ha- be friendly enough with someone that will do that for you. Mm. And that's what in a PSA, like I didn't have a dog trialing. I, I don't have a dog old enough. But you are decoying. Yeah, I was decoying, but I feel the the win of your dog getting through and neville's dog and all the dogs that i've had a hand in training i feel i'm as proud of that dog as, as you are because mm. it's a group effort. we developed it together yeah it t- takes a village to train a dog you yeah, it need does. you need a, a, a you need a handler, you need a decoy you need linesmen you need people to help you out in various things you can it is impossible to train a dog for psa or mondio alone it can't be done and so-, so that's a
1: big congratulations to most clubs when they, they do get a dog through a trial is that often you'll see the handler with the dog standing on the podium but what you don't see is the family behind them.
2: And that's what you do see at Gold Coast. They acknowledge that they really do. Well.
1: They are, they. That's why I, I nominate them as being a very progressive club and I'm very proud of the image that they portray is because they actually do get out and celebrate the family. Yeah. You know, they, they – Train together, they play together. You know, they party together. They're they're a great bunch of people, and you know what you're seeing coming out of that is because of that attitude. It's a, uh, and they they're not only successful in the club, they're successful outside the club too as people because people um love that infectious creativity
2: that they bring. 100%. I, mm. I think that they will be responsible for a rise in IPO in Australia. That I hope will so. Certainly a comeback. Look at them as a beacon of enthusiasm and, and hope really mm. for how things can be. Well, for a long time I actually thought that
1: the IPO slash Schutzen sort of fraternity was dead. If you asked me five years ago, I would have thought, no, nah, it's on the way out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it hasn't got much legs left in it anymore. I'm happy to eat humble pie if that's not the case because I do support it. And, you know, the Mondio group that's trying to kick off, they look like they're gaining some momentum as well. So fantastic guys. I think that's wonderful. hmm Any bite sports club, any dog club for for that matter, but, but, you know, it's my passion in the bite sports. I love them. I think they're very interesting. I find them fascinating, always have. It's one of the main reasons that I got involved in dog training is because I love that application of it. For me, it's a personal interest. So I'm very proud and very supportive of all the groups. Anyone who thinks differently, get your head checked because I'm totally behind you. I've always promoted it, always will. Might not be the same for individuals who are being snapper heads, but the clubs themselves, the people, the the um, philosophy behind it, totally
2: with you. And yeah.
1: you know, Pat and I are here to support you. We always will. If if you're
2: doing the right thing and you're good people, then we're we're behind you 110. Yeah. And and to that effect, the, I like to talk about cross titling dogs as well. Like so, PSA the the PDC was really designed to allow for IPO dogs to transfer over and it won't impact your IPO. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do it on a sleeve and there's nothing in that that will take away or cause you problems in your IPO. So if there's a trial on and you have a, a, a trialing IPO dog, there's nothing to stop you just turning up. You don't have to be a member of anyone's club. You just have to join PSA, the headquarters, like mm-hmm. in America, you do that online, cost you 80 bucks or something like that. And you, you're on the field and you can Put the title on your dog, if, if you like, which I think is that zero barriers to entry, I think, is the most important thing that I like about it. Yeah, it's wonderful. And it's designed for exactly that. Like, oh, okay, even if you're doing Mondio, there's nothing to stop you in it doing a PDC. Mm. Even a level one, probably. I don't think there's anything – there's any difference in the the rules and the way it operates that it will cause you problems in your sport by doing that. So. We should all be supporting each other. I 100% intend to do like a BH at the minimum with, with my dog that Fantastic. I pretend, intend to do PSA with. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's where we're at with PSA. We There's, a, there's um, a few clubs around the country. Ours here in Sydney, I think there's there's another in Sydney, although they're kind of not training PSA at the moment. Queensland, there's two, one in on the Gold Coast, one up f- further north, and there's guys sort of work. Uh, oh no! Sorry, and down in Canberra as well, or Bungendore. So yeah, we're there, there's we're growing. We'll be holding events next year. There'll be a minimum of two trials next year. Hopefully, some more. Looking around June, and then again late September, really and fun. and we'll hold another decoy cert, probably to try and get some more people over the line. So mm. if you if you're interested in that, touch base with me and let me know. the The, the, tr- the tricky part about the decoy cert is we want to run them, but you also need dogs, right? So the problem is having a decoy cert around the same time as a trial is problematic because you kind of burn out the dogs a little bit prior to a trial. Yep. So we're just trying to figure out the exact logistics of that to make sure we can actually get guys qualified but also not impact people who want to trial, use those dogs the next weekend and who have just had two days of free biting. It sort of impacts their training pretty badly.
1: Mm -hmm. What else? I think that's about it. A lot of people have been asking me about PSA and I'm sure they have with you over the period of time. What is it? What are you doing? how did it come about and we were thought this is a good time
2: in a podcast just to have a chat about it, Yeah, let people know the, we're really origins, just the hitting, history. Uh, we're really just hitting the wave tops. We should get someone on one day that can tell us the oh, whole yeah, history because sure. it's been around about 14, 15 years. So we'll get someone to explain the exact how it all started because I, I don't know the exact story myself.
1: Well, I think when Jerry's here, that might be a good time because yeah, totally. he is the captain of the ship and the creator of the, right. the yep. whole um, philosophy of PSA. Yeah. So hopefully he'll be here live in the studio. We can sit down, have a coffee with him and question the man who who invented the sport.
2: Yeah. And if you're training in your dogs anywhere in the country or worldwide really, but if you're in Australia, get in contact with me. If you want to start a club, you just go to psak9.org. It's follow the bouncing ball. You can start your own club there. It's very easy. You just mm. need three people. sign up together and then y- away you go. You don't need to start a club. You can train as an individual and just turn up at trials when they happen. We Our Facebook, our PSA club's Facebook page is Iron Fist PSA. You'll see anything that any events that are going on, we'll be posting it there. But otherwise, if you want to get involved, contact me. Unfortunately, as I say, we're at a limit in our club of taking on anyone new just because we're at as many people as we can for the time that we have together to get through the dogs. But that said, if you're a good decoy, <laughs> that's what we're lacking. Mm. If, if if you If you know how to work a dog in a suit, then... It's not like we're a closed club. We're closed to people who are only going to be able to take time. If anyone can give us more time, then that would be great to have sure another a, a good decoy that the, could help The us other out.
1: suggestion I have too for people who do want to kick a club off is vet your members. Yeah. 100%. You know, spend time. Don't just take people in for the sake of taking it in. The last thing you want to do is create a coffee club yeah. or have somebody that's a bit unbalanced getting in. You know, you don't want to cat amongst the pigeons, basically. You just want people that are all rowing the boat in the same direction.
2: Yeah. That, that's worth talking about, the, the the name Iron Fist and where it came from. So what I'm encouraging people in Australia when they start clubs is to not name the clubs geographically because it can that can give people the feeling that I can't start a club because there's already a Sydney club, right? Yep. So I'm just telling people, you know, come up with a name. And the Iron Fist is what we've had because we, we've just got – we have really strict club rules that, you know, you must adhere to and otherwise, you can't be in the club. So, like Jay, for example, said, Oh, you know, I'm going to, I'll join the club. I said, That's cool. I'd love to have you in the club, but we, you can't because you're not able to turn We have, you have, must turn up to training a certain number of times. Mm. There's rules like that sort of thing. And she's not in the area, so she can't do it. Yeah. Um, but she's very welcome to train with us whenever she's of around course. and she's welcome to trial at all of our things. Every event in every PSA event in Australia, so long as I have the impact to do this, will be We're a family. Event. Exactly. Mm. Every event, so long as I have the impact to do it, will be an open event. There will be no secret closed trials. No, we don't want to exclude anyone. Yep. We want everyone in. If you've got the balls to get on the field with your dog and show us what you got, I want to see it
1: for sure. And seminars that we have here will be available to public as well. Of so course, even yeah. if you're not a member of a PSA club and we've got um, people like Sean and Jerry coming out mm-hmm. and you want to learn a little bit more about it or just come down in an auditing position, Welcome down.
2: Exactly. We really want to grow the sport and we want more and more uh, competitors Mm. and dogs involved in it and more trials. As much as we can fill trials, we will. Yep. As long as there's demand, we'll we'll, we'll organize them. Hmm. That's it. So- that's it about PSA. I've probably forgotten heaps of things and they'll probably listen to this at some point and go, ah, I forgot to mention this part. But we can do
1: – if there's any
2: additional information, we can come back on and fill in the blanks. Yeah, exactly. But if you want to check it out, go to psak9.org. There's a million videos on there of showing you all the levels and how they work. They they give away so much information on training. It's all there. Jerry is so generous in that way. Like there's complete training guides on how to train every, every aspect of for the sport. Mm. It's all there. There's minimum barriers to entry or or almost no barriers to entry. It's just your own uh, willingness to give it a go. Perfect. All right. So if you want to get in contact with us, you can do that on Facebook, the Canine Paradigm, send us a message, leave a comment somewhere, let us know what you think. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, if you want to hear more, jump on to iTunes or whatever it is that you're listening to, Through us and flick us a review. That helps us find people and people find us that we can't just send a message to on Facebook and say, hey, Listen to our podcast. Mm.
1: So I think we, the last podcast we did, or well, the one before this, we discussed that we were probably going to do something about um, creating a training language and talk oh, yeah, about the behaviors. Yeah, we, we are we are going to do that. We just ran out of time. We just wanted to prep it a bit better. Yeah. Um, so we are certainly going to do that. Probably before that, we're we're going to do a wrap up and a year that was. Yeah. Since it's almost Christmas time. And so, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, all the fascinating things that have happened
2: throughout 2017. Yeah, that's a good point. So, actually, we will go through all our history of the year and see what happened in in dogs in exciting times during the year. Hmm. It'd be great if you think there's something that was really impactful. Send us a message about that and we'll fit it into the timeline and we're just going to go through and just sort of relive the, the year a little bit and how it affected everyone. So yeah, get in contact with us if, if there's something that you know of that you think we may overlook or, or, or we don't know of.
1: And again, thanks for the people who left a five-star review on iTunes. Really appreciate it. I noticed uh, during the week there were uh, several more. So very awesome. much appreciated, guys, that you stopped by the store and, and some people have written a comment and some people have actually put a review rating up there. So very, very much appreciated. It encourages
2: Pat, uh, Pat and I to keep banging them out. Yeah. We just do it for the likes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good talk. We'll see you later. Cue the music. Bye.